God's wisdom, he gives us more than one kind of relationship. He could have made us to just have families, to just have kings to rule over us. He could have made a world of co-workers and bosses and employees, but God goes above and beyond. He gives us friendships. God gives Jonathan to David. He gives the beloved disciple John to Jesus. He gives Timothy to Paul and Ruth to Naomi. So many great minds have reflected on what this really means to be someone's friend. There's an ethicist, Stanley Hauerwas, who says, friends are the people who are kind enough to take you seriously. Aristotle broke down friendships into their many different kinds to analyze them, which is very Aristotle. Theologian Wesley Hill says friends are people who want to become spiritual siblings, spiritual brothers and sisters. C.S. Lewis says friendship is not always good. It makes good men better and bad men worse. We think and reflect so much on friendship because I think that we know we need it. Ecclesiastes puts it very bluntly, two is better than one. Having friends is better than not having friends, and our culture is showing signs that we need friendship. Physicians are increasingly considering loneliness as unhealthy as smoking or obesity. One study of older citizens in the UK asked them how long it had been since their last conversation with a friend or relative, and 200,000 adults said it had been more than a month. In response, the United Kingdom appointed a loneliness minister to address that crisis. Three scholars wrote a paper in 2011 about why in the last 30 years citizens of the United States report a decline in reported happiness and concluded it is mainly predicted by decline in social connections. I was listening to a minister and pastor talk about civil breakdown in our country, and he said half of Americans say that they don't have a personally significant conversation on a daily basis. Our society, all of us in this room, we're not immune to this. We need friendships. And the book of Proverbs does not lower the bar. Our society often lowers the bar of friendship. If you just click add friend, if you just click follow, if you just click accept friend request, there you have it, a friend. But the book, book of Proverbs doesn't settle it doesn't lower the bar. It doesn't lower the standards. It shows us just how essential friends are while keeping standards of friendship. It gives us wisdom about how to pursue friends, about how to cultivate friendships. And for a society starved, for a society in need of friends, this wisdom is a gift. So I want to first look at some of the Proverbs that compare friends and family. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and kinsfolk are born to share adversity. Proverbs 18, 24 says, Some friends play at friendship, 
but a true friend sticks closer than one's nearest kin or family. Proverbs 27.10 is long. It says, Do not forsake a friend or the friend of your parent. Don't go to the house of your kindred in the day of your calamity or trouble. Better is a neighbor who is nearby than kindred who are far away. Pastor and writer Sam Alberry has this great book called The Seven Myths of Singleness. And regardless of your status, whether you're single or married, this book is so good. And I think it's such an important word and reflects on these Proverbs. Basically what he says is, these Proverbs tell us that family should be there in an emergency. But friends are more constant more present than family. When you're in pain, when you're celebrating, when you have a boring Tuesday, friends are supposed to be there. And this proverb isn't saying, when it says, don't go to the house of your kin, it's not saying, ignore your family, forget about them. It's saying, first, go to a friend nearby. Prioritize proximity of good relationships rather than distant familial ones. And to a very family-centered culture, that the Israelite culture had, this was challenging. It was trying to say, yes, family can be close and supportive and friendly. That is great. But you need close friends nearby on a daily basis. But that need, that need for friends, doesn't mean you should be friends with just anyone. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion or friend of fools suffers harm. In other words, there are a lot of qualities that your friends can have that can mess up your life. Proverbs doesn't have some exhaustive list. It doesn't say every single quality you need to find in a friend, but it warns us about anger in other friends. It warns us about folly in other friends. It warns us about the bad habits that our friends can have that will impact us. You are not immune to the influence of your friends, and neither am I. Good friendships can be built on a lot, uh, on not very many things. Good friendships need to be built on character. And then <laughs> the Proverbs tells us, but just so you know, you will be very tempted to build friendships on very shallow things. Proverbs 14.20 says, The poor are disliked even by their neighbors, and the rich have many friends. Proverbs 19.4 says, Wealth brings many friends, but the poor are left friendless. Now remember, this is so important when we hear that proverb. There's a difference between proverbs that describe the way the world works and prescribe the way we should live. This one is just talking about describing the way the world works. It's saying that some people make friendships based on money. It's very tempting not to build your friendships on character, but on class. I was listening to an interview of the head of the NBA. His name is Adam Silver, and he was asked about the, the player's mental health. And for whatever reason, when I went into this interview, I thought NBA players must be doing fine. They're famous, they're wealthy, but they weren't. He says there's an epidemic among players in the NBA when it comes to mental health. He says that these players are incredibly lonely because once they become rich, they are never sure if anyone actually loves them. They're never sure. 
They grew up sometimes in rough neighborhoods, and they've made it. They think this is finally the point where my life is going to go well. And ever after, they question, is he really my friend? Is she really my friend, or do they just want money? Proverbs warns us, wealth brings many friends. They may not be good friends, but there's many of them. This is why in the New Testament, uh, Pilate is called a friend of Caesar. That's not some good relationship we should emulate. That's a friendship built on power and status, not character. And Proverbs warns us, if you make friends without any standards, you'll be very naive about your enemies. And this sounds really strange to a lot of us. We try to be kind. We try to be nice. We don't think that we have enemies in life. But the Proverbs warn us to be wise about enemies. Proverbs 27.6 says, Well meant are the words, the, the wounds a, uh, a friend inflicts, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 26, 23 through 28 just unloads on all the different harms that your enemies could cause you. It says, like a coating of silver dross on pottery are lips with an evil heart. Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but they harbor deceit. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, but a flattering mouth works ruin. I bet so many of us in this room regardless of whether we would call someone enemy in our life, we've experienced this. Enemies come in a lot of different forms. Someone from your past, someone from work, someone from church, someone from your family. Whoever they are, the Proverbs is not squeamish or uncomfortable saying that they're enemies, they're real. And, and don't get me wrong, Jesus commands us to love our enemies. There's no doubt about that. But the very fact that he has to command us to do that shows us that he knows we have them. We don't want to call him our arch nemesis. But we have people in our lives that are our enemies. We must love them, but the Proverbs don't want us to be naive. If you just become friends with anyone, they can ruin you. They can put you in harm's way. Proverbs, just because we need friends, does not lower its standard on friends. And then finally, God gives us incredible wisdom about how to maintain friendships. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous gives good advice to friends, but the way of the wicked leads astray. I remember one of my friends uh, from college uh, was listening uh, to me complain about something for the thousandth time, and he was being very patient with me, and he finally, at the end, he cut me off. And he gave me really good advice that I hated. And I, all I wanted in this friend was to listen to me complain. That's it. I didn't want him to ever speak back as if he was like a real human being in front of me. I just wanted to project all of these complaints and for him to just be a good friend and sit there. But that's not what Proverbs says friends are for. Proverbs says that friendships are built up by good advice. We know this to be true in marriage. 
If I never received advice from Allison, I would be a bad husband. But I always receive advice. We know, that's, we know that's true in one area of our lives. We know that's true of marriage. But when it comes to friends, we want this undivided uh, loyalty. We want them to just sit there and listen to our complaints without ever speaking hard or difficult words. But the Proverbs won't have that. Our friendships are built up by good advice from righteous and wise friends. The Proverbs also say that a perverse person spreads strife and a whisperer separates friends. Now, a whisperer, that can be also translated as gossip. And I think for a lot of us, we we know gossip isn't something we should do, but we have a lot of good reasons why we do it anyway. (laughs) And we don't think it could be that bad, gossip. I had a a friend uh, who's a minister who said, I've known more churches shut down over gossip spread than money not in the bank. He was speaking from a lot of personal experience that he saw churches torn apart by gossip. Because friendships cannot live with gossip. Gossip is poison to friendship. Proverbs warns us, a whisperer, If that's you or someone else, separates friends. Friends can't last as long as that's in the mix. But Proverbs says that there's a way forward through any kind of difficulty with a friendship. Proverbs 17, 9 says, One who forgives an affront fosters friendship, but one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. In other words, friendships don't just naturally get better and better and better and better and better. They will go through difficult times. And the only way to get through that is not to dwell on the dispute, to remember how your friend has betrayed you, but to forgive. That fosters friendship. Now, there are so many more proverbs on friendship that we couldn't cover, but I think that this is so important We aren't left with a Bible that has no clue that you might need relationships in your life. That you might need someone who isn't a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad, but a friend. Someone who can stick closer to you than family. God wants these friendships that we have to thrive. He wants us to have true friends. I was worried, I've been worried throughout this series that this has been, each sermon has kind of been like a big piece of advice. Like one long self-help series with a little bit of Christianity added to the mix. I do not want to do that. I think that there's a deeper good news running in the background of the Bible about friendship. Because in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, God walks with Adam and Eve. But if you ever tried to picture that, to think about the kind of relationship that they could have in the Garden of Eden where God walks with them. He wants to have relationship with them. And at the same time, God wants them to have relationship with each other. This is something so 
crucial and essential to our church. We say it all the time. Our mission is to love God and to love others. God does want us to love him the most, but he also wants us to love others. God is, is in some sense, jealous for our love. Scripture says that all the time, but he's not needy. He's not exclusive. He wants you to love your parents and your friends and your neighbors and even your enemies. I love seeing this in Jesus, right? He tells his disciples, drop everything you're doing and follow me. I am absolutely the most important thing in your life. And God, a Jesus, calls them to befriend people who typically weren't befriended. When he says, when you guys have a meal, don't invite your friends. He says, invite the poor. Invite the people who don't have friends, who can't reciprocate back to you. And I love that about Jesus. He wants their ultimate love to be for him. But he, he also wants them to love others. C.S. Lewis wrote this book called The Four Loves. And he talks about uh, how in, in other cultures, there's more uh, than one word for love. We use love for all sorts of different kinds of relationships. Uh, but in this book, uh, Lewis talks about how many have asked him over the years, is it possible to love someone too much? And my guess would be that he would say yes. But this is what he says. I think God wants to love him more, but not to love creatures less. He says, no person has ever been loved too much, but we may love someone too much in proportion to our love for God. In other words, no, you can't love someone too much. Your, your issue is you don't love God enough. But when you love God ultimately, when he is the love beyond all other loves, you are then enabled to love others well, better than you ever have before. And I love that C.S. Lewis regularly got together with his friends. They talked about all sorts of different things, things I'm sure would have been way over my head. But his group of friends brought him to faith. I've actually been to the place where Jesus walked at Jesus. C.S. Lewis is not Jesus. I'm sorry. Where Lewis, C.S. Lewis, walked with his friend throughout the night. And he started out not a Christian. And by the end of the night, believed in Jesus. There had been a lot of things working up to that. This was not random or, or an accident. Finally, a friend brought C.S. Lewis to Christ. And he says this about friendship, and I want to end on this. Life, natural life, has no better gift to give than friendship. Who could have deserved it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those who have befriended us, who have been there in good times and bad, exciting times and not. We pray for those friends and pray that you bless them. 
And we know that in this life there are so many good gifts. But we thank you for the gift of friendship. We know that we don't deserve it. And yet, at the same time, we need friends. And many of us in this room have not only been lonely, but feel so alone. We pray that this church would not only be a church family of brothers and sisters, but a church of friends. Those who are even there closer than family. We pray that you help us find friends that lift us up and point us back to you. We thank you for your friendship, that somehow you came to us and befriended us. You made us your companions. We thank you for that gift. And we thank you for all the many ways you have shown your true friendship to us. We pray all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.